0: For the love of fall, Starbucks Pumpkin Spice Lattes and Pumpkin Cream Cold Brews are back. Smooth espresso dashed with pumpkin pie spice and velvety whipped cream. Or cold brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam fit for the season. Your pumpkin awaits. Order today in the Starbucks app. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate Plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at GrifflesPlasma.com
1: a picture is worth a thousand words I'm sure you've heard that before like so many people but have you really taken the opportunity to really explore what that means in our life pictures are everywhere you go anywhere on the planet people are taking pictures all over the place trying to capture experiences but the best experiences are the ones in our minds. And today, I have a conversation with professional photographer, Marlena Semenza, who gives a very interesting take on life behind the lens and viewing it from that way, and also discussing things in pop culture with social media and beyond. I'm grateful for my time with Marlena today. And I look forward to what you guys think and listening to my conversation with Marlena Semenza. Awesome. Well, Marlena, it's a real pleasure to have you on with me today. I came across your, your profile on Spot I guess and I was like, okay, I haven't really talked to somebody who's like a photographer or is, you know, I like the whole behind the lens thing. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to like really understand more about it and what your motivation was behind getting into that field of work. It was fascinating to me.
0: Well, thank you. Um, I was actually a photography major in college. I'm one of those rare birds that
1: has a degree in it. (laughs) I've never heard of that now. There's always people who have done it on the side and then they became Mm -hmm. like a photographer, you know, so.
0: Yeah, it wasn't my first choice, actually. Uh, When I went to school, I was pre-law because I never thought, nobody ever told me that you could make a living in the arts, although I always loved photography. I don't know where I thought all the photos and magazines came from. Apparently, I thought they just (laughs) appeared out of thin air. (laughs) But when I realized that you could actually do this for a living, then I switched majors.
1: And so, you did, did you do that pretty quickly once you got to college, or did it take you a couple of years?
0: I did. Now I was pretty quick. I it think within quick. the first semester.
1: Free <laughs> law was not. You're like, no thanks.
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't think I have the the area of law that I wanted to go into was to fight for the rights of abused women and children and things like that. And I think it would have just ripped my guts out. So I'm. It was a wise decision on my part to switch gears.
1: Well, well, well um, what got you into it, though, that made you at least want to try pre-law initially?
0: I love the law. I, I think it's very interesting. And maybe I watch too many television shows. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time.
1: And when you're young, you're really young. You're like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And then things change, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing. So you... This is weird. It's that you did it in college. Seriously, I've never heard of anybody who's done that. Like, and so what, as you were going through your program, did your desire grow even further for it as you were going through the coursework and the study?
0: It did. Um, I had a photography major and an illustration minor. So it was just a lot of fun. I love the whole being behind the camera. My grandfather put a camera in my hands when I was pretty young and, I fell in love with it then and like i said i just never realized that you could parlay it into a career
1: right and so professionally have you as there was there a direction you wanted to go professionally with photography you're like this is i want to shoot these things or what was that like
0: i when i was in school i had two goals one was to work for rolling stone and the other one was to work for vanity fair
1: I love it. <laughs>
0: and instead I wound up working for the World Wrestling Federation, which was like being on a rock tour. <laughs> and then I also now do a lot of photographs that are very fashion inspired. Okay. So I'm I'm kind of getting the the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. Well tell me about the whole WWE thing. I think that's wild. Like what was it like like the first day when you started with them?
0: Well, I never watched wrestling in my life. I went down to, I lived in Connecticut. So I went down, a friend of mine worked for the company in the art department. And he said, there's a job opening in photo editing. So I went, applied for the job. And by the end of the interview, my then boss said to me, well, do you have a problem with airplanes? And I said, I do not. And he said, well, that's good because instead you're going to be my assistant. And so I, that evening I got on the tour bus, they said, there's your bunk. I said, okay. And we went and I got to the arena, walked backstage the next morning and looked around and went, what have I done?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is going on?
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. And so what was the kind of typical daily schedule of shooting for something like that?
0: I had a noon call. uh, So I'd go in and by the time I got into the arena, a lot of other stuff was done already because they had certain procedures for things as far as, um, you know, the the light trusses go in and then the ring goes in and all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't working out in that area. What my job was, was to set up still photo backstage. And mm-hmm. that's where we got most of the the promo. Photos and things like that was yeah. at these events because it was a lot easier for us to go to them than it was to get them to right take time out of their schedule to come to Connecticut.
1: Gotcha. My dog, George, is making an appearance, just so you know. He's, That's okay. <laughs> you know, he sleeps all day. And then, of course, now he's like, I'm just going to get up and start barking. You know? He's actually he's a huge dog. He's a 125-pound Great Dane. Oh, wow. Big dog. Yeah. I love big dogs, like gigantic dogs. Um, I've always been to that. I don't know why.
0: Yeah. I have a Just cat saying. that thinks she's a dog, but that's about as far as I got. <laughs>
1: she thinks she's a dog. Okay. Oh, I have a cat. I have, I have lots of pets. I know it's, my wife likes pets. So we end up having like a lot of animals there. So, so did you get a chance to like interact with the personalities in mm-hmm. the WWE and stuff? So, what, what yeah. was that like?
0: It was great. Um, I still have friends to this day from that time. Really? Mm hmm. Yeah, and wow. actually on my show, I have an interview lined up with Lanny Poffo. He was Randy Savage's brother. Yeah. And I'm trying to secure times for a couple of other of my friends to come on.
1: Wow. This is my dog trying to say hello. <laughs> He's a big dude. You see him right now. He's a, yeah, his head is gigantic. It's big. Yes, he, <laughs> he likes to make appearances on my show. It just adds a little flair to it, right? <laughs> like, so you got you got in really good with a lot of people in the uh, industry. Then it seems mm-hmm. like and created these long lasting relationships. Yeah. So, will you get into these like conversations with people during time on the bus and stuff, like deep conversations, talking about their life and everything, why a they got of, into it?
0: A lot of that was backstage. Um okay. everybody traveled separately. The talent would travel, you know, get their cars and travel, you know, a couple of them travel okay. together. And we were usually on buses.
1: Yeah. And did you end up finding out a lot of interesting information of why people started getting into that? Like I just fascinating, like you're talking to people doing something that's very different. I would say. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you weren't even watching it. I watched it a little bit. My brother was a fanatic about that stuff. But uh, I think it's interesting the conversations you get in with people about things that you wouldn't normally do, right? You know, in life. Right. So you're a part of a lot of those conversations as well.
0: Um, not necessarily. I mean, I know that, for example, Randy Savage, his original plan was to be a baseball player. He was actually right. signed with I wanna say the St. Louis Cardinals or something like that. I think he
1: had heard of that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so it's like not all of them in that era anyway, this wasn't their original plan. But
1: do you find that was like so you're shooting people, you're doing photography, that like maybe the the picture of the person is maybe not exactly what the actual thing that the person is, you know, like feel like it's kind of a commentary on life where like we're one way in a picture, but then we're a different way in how we actually live sometimes. You know?
0: Well, I think that's true for a lot of people. And that's why right now my focus is primarily personal brand photography, because mm-hmm. it is telling those stories and showing what makes people different in their industry. But it's my job to take what makes you different and then make it relatable.
1: Right, right. Do you have like a favorite um like shoot or setting that you've ever done that you just really enjoyed?
0: Um, I can tell you one. I did it for a fashion designer actually, and we went and shot in a junkyard. Because the dress yeah, the dress that she had designed just lent itself to that. And when I first called up the junkyard, now I come from the northeast, so when I've call the junkyard. I was fully expecting them to say, are you crazy? You can't come here. And because that's probably what would have happened in the New York area. Yeah. But the gentleman that answered the phone who owned the junkyard, he said, after a few minutes of silence, he said, you want to come here? I said, yes, sir. And I explained to him exactly what we wanted to do. And he said, okay. And they put us in these bright orange vests. It was just Myself, the designer, and the model, these bright orange vests, like you could have missed us in this junkyard because we had bright blue balloons and we had, um, you know, this dress and, but they were so wonderful. And probably about halfway through, they were asking us if they could move anything around for us. And <laughs> it, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. We had a great time.
1: Oh, my goodness. And a junkyard. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Another uh, WWE reference, the Junkyard Dog, if anybody remembers.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, have you ever had times where you're like, oh, man, I really don't want to do this either? No. No, that's amazing. That's good. So everything you've done, you've just really enjoyed doing, or even like this has been pleasure, you know, pleasant for you.
0: Yes, yes, it really has. Um, I, and even the people that I work with, I half joke and say that I have to – fall in love a little bit with everybody that I photograph, because if I don't, then I can't make you fall in love with them in the images. Yeah.
1: What Do you do anything like prep wise with people before you're shooting them? Is there anything to, maybe to make them relax or to get into the mode of being in that session?
0: Um, well, usually by the time we get to the actual session, we have had many conversations. So we know each okay. other by this okay. point. So they're comfortable with me to begin with, but generally speaking, I've never had to coax anyone into a a degree of comfort. Usually they, by that point, they trust me and know that I'm going to get the best out of them. And so usually it works pretty well.
1: Um, So you were with the WWE. How long were you with them? Three years. Three years. Now, was there a decision of like, Hey, I've done this for long enough trying time to do something else?
0: Yeah, um, when you travel to that degree for that long, you know, after a while, uh, you're like, okay, well, now what? Um, So from there, I also, because I had the minor in illustration, did a few things and then worked freelance for a cartooning and animation company. And we did stuff for Warner Brothers and the Monsters comic book and the Tom and Jerry comic strip and things like that. And that got me actually out to Comic-Con in San Diego.
1: Ah, wow. Now, I haven't been to that, but I hear it's a very interesting thing.
0: Oh, okay. yeah.
1: Give me a little bit of the background of what it's like being there.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. Comic-Con was more of a shock to me than walking backstage at wrestling.
1: In what way?
0: <laughs> I I was just, I don't think I will, my, I think my jaw was on the floor 98% of the time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just the things you saw, the people, yeah. outfits and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. That's interesting. I think all those type of, um, you know, just like the cosplay stuff and comic, I feel like it's a very extreme level of presentation, you know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. it really yeah. is. And I give these people incredible credit for, the creativity involved in a lot of these costumes, and <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Wow. So what was your, like when you were there, what was your job? Your job was to be there basically for Yeah, that?
0: we had, at that point, we were doing the Munsters comic book. So we had okay. Pat Priest and Butch Patrick. They were Marilyn Munster and Eddie Munster. They're signing autographs. So I was there to kind of help with all
1: of that. Okay. And so will you say, like what you saw, was it like mainly attendees who were looking interesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the attendees, of course. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Very specialized costumes and things yes. of that nature. Yes. <laughs> now, how long you were at something like that, hours or what you were there the whole day? I
0: want to say we were there for, I don't remember, it was a while ago, we were there for Couple of days, I want to say.
1: Yeah. What's the interaction like with people who are coming up? You know, like, is it normal or is it just as strange as the outfits are that you're seeing?
0: Yeah. And, and, party is trying not to show that shock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keep a straight face, right? While you're doing it, you're like, okay, yeah. no, this is weird, but I don't need to show it. Yeah. Know, like-
0: and after a while, it becomes normal.
1: I would think so. Like, If you look at the same thing i mean different but the same thing kind of over and over again you kind of get numb to it i would think on some level
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh i'm gonna have to go to one of those things (laughs) yeah
0: it's it's definitely a whole other world
1: i hear that it's it's kind of like a lot of those things like star trek conventions and stuff like that are pretty weird and you just get a different section of the population you know attending stuff like that yeah
0: and i think the one in san diego is the largest or one of the largest, I believe.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's pretty huge. I mean, I hear about it a lot and stuff, especially to like, uh there's a lot of superhero stuff mm-hmm. for stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw a lot of that stuff going on as well, yeah. outfits. So I don't know, I just like, I love superhero movies, but I, I don't imagine myself being at one of those things yeah. for that, you know? Yeah, it's I remember seeing,
0: you know. I remember seeing Lou Ferrigno there.
1: Oh my gosh, Incredible Hulk, huh? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's a strange. I think a lot of those guys sometimes make a good living being at those things too, like yeah. signing autographs and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, part of it. So take me, uh, well, behind the curtain of your podcast, I think it's behind the lens, right? Correct. So what? why did you start it?
0: As another way to tell stories. So what it basically is, is it's beyond the lens of what we think we know or see about either people or events, things like that, or something that we've seen on television. I have interviewed people that competed successfully on um, Naked and Afraid and what those experiences (laughs) were like. I have a gentleman coming up who was at the Las Vegas shooting and what that was really like. I have wrestlers that will be on it. I have um, a Hollywood producer that's on it. So it's all of these like I said, people or things that we think we know about, but just adding another element and another layer to that and a peek behind what we think we see.
1: You think that's a common thing that we think we know what we're seeing when, Does let's say the news, you know, we see an article and we think, oh, that's terrible, or this, we we have an, um, an immediate reaction to it, but we don't really know what's actually going on.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that, in many areas, because I also feel, even just in the social media world with teenagers, Mm. what they think they see, they'll they'll look at someone else's feed and think, oh my gosh, they have such a better life than I do. And they get so depressed and upset. Meanwhile, that's a curated version of their life. You are seeing what they want you to see. And they're not showing you everything that winds up on the cutting room floor. So I can take 20 different images and just by the way I edit them, tell you different stories. So, never compare what you're seeing on social media to your life because I can guarantee you that's not the lump sum of their life. Oh.
1: No, life is a variety of emotions and feelings, you know. It must be interesting for you um, with this age, this digital age where people are taking pictures and posting them all over. What are your thoughts about that being a photographer and then seeing people kind of posing as photographers and social media? Yeah.
0: I, I have no qualms about, you know, if, if somebody, especially if somebody wants to get into this profession, come join us. It's great. Um, (laughs) The things that I get upset about is when someone goes to hire a professional. Okay. You will know that they are a professional oftentimes based on the fees that they charge. And I only say that because if you are getting all of this for $2.99, <laughs> I can guarantee you they probably don't have insurance, they probably right. don't have a registered business, they they there are a lot of things that most likely they do not have in place that as somebody who is hiring someone, you should you should be aware of.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You said also about like the things on the cutting room floor. What is it in our nature to always put out what's best or what we think is the best of us and not putting out maybe the stuff that's not the best, you know?
0: I think it depends because I think there are some people who embrace the chinks in the armor and the flaws. Mm. And I think it's those things that actually make us more relatable. Because if, if, if you show those things, people understand that, you know what, okay, I, this person will understand and this person gets me.
1: What do you think it is, though? It seems like a lot of what has happened in our society with things like social media is to highlight the very best of what we're doing, the very best vacations, the very best events and activities we go to. What do, what do you think has happened with that?
0: I think there's an air of competitiveness too on social Mm. media. Everybody's competing for attention and for likes and for followers. So if you walk into, it's like walking into a, a noisy arena and everybody is in there and it's crowded and people are shouting. That's what social media is like. And the internet is like, so if you go in there and you just arbitrarily put stuff out I think there's a large element that thinks that, well, nobody is ever going to respond to that. So I have to do something to gain attention and to gain their, their favor. And so they put out the best of.
1: Right, and it almost kind of promotes this kind of outrageous behavior. well, maybe I wouldn't put out something like this, but I gotta stand out in a large crowd so right. people will notice me for right. that. And I I think think too, it
0: depends, it depends on what your motivation is for using social media. Are you using it strictly to get likes and things like that, or are you using it to reach an ideal client? Because if that's the case, then it doesn't matter if you get 200 of the, the wrong likes, it matters if you get one of the right ones.
1: So in your business, how do you approach using social media? Or is it that like your podcast, is that a version of basically marketing for you?
0: Sure. Um, For me, and I tell all my clients this as well, it's getting very clear on who your target client is and who you're trying to attract. Because by doing, by putting out, by knowing who that is, then you put out the things that will matter to them. So the questions that they would have, the things that are going to make you relatable to them, it doesn't, and once again, it does not matter if it doesn't appeal to the 10 others, because then they have just weeded themselves out for you because you're after the
1: one. So it seems like stories are the big element to your podcast and that you really want to focus on. Maybe having people understand these people that you're talking to on a much deeper level. Now, I've been a big proponent that podcasts are the best way to do that Mm -hmm. because most of the time you're getting these very small sound bites from people, right? You know, right? And it's very rehearsed almost too. And Mm -hmm. do you get a sense of that?
0: I do. Um, One of the greatest compliments that one of my clients ever gave me was, "I trust you to tell my story." Hmm. And there's a lot of that and it's building trust with the people that you're with and the people that are speaking to you because when they trust you, they know that you're not going to lead them in a direction. They don't, they aren't comfortable going. Um, they are not going to be put in a light that is different than who they are. So I think that's a huge thing that needs to be established and that changes the game.
1: Well, I think sometimes also like people's kind of persona, it's kind of Mm -hmm. going back to the rest that persona is out there and people think, well, that's how this person is. Or, you know, like you said, you're going to have somebody from the Vegas shootings. Um, and I was, I was living there when that happened That was going on. And I had a lot of staff members who love like country music and they go down to the strip and, um, and we were calling, I was calling all of my staff members to see if they had been there for Mm -hmm. that. But it's like, if you're not in Vegas or you just see it like this national story, you don't necessarily know what the feeling was like. Right. And that thing. So you're you're diving really deep underneath the water. Right. To see what's going on. I think that's what makes it very vulnerable when you're talking to people about Mm -hmm. something like that, you know?
0: And I think too, there's a a big part of, because I always ask A version of the same question at the end of the podcast and Mm -hmm. it's if you could go back and speak to the person that began this journey knowing what you know now what would you tell them and by doing that they get to speak to anyone who may be in a similar situation or any And now granted hopefully nobody's going to be in a situation like vegas but there are elements in that like even when um when i interviewed wes from Naked and Afraid, I was actually surprised at his answer to that question because it had nothing to do really with the experience of the show and it's what the show made him think about and it was, Mm. so you never know how people are going to answer that and it's usually not so much about the actual event
1: right that's interesting you think it's going to be more about the event when you're talking about it but there's something a little different with that what do you see your show going like what's the is there an ultimate vision or goal with it or you just just want to tell stories just get it out there for people
0: right now i just want to tell stories i i'm new into it i'm only i think there are five episodes live right now and yeah about six or eight ready to to go mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's new. So we're going to see where this, when it starts to get to be a toddler and starts to walk on its own, then we'll see which direction it wants to go.
1: <laughs> That's fun. I, you know, I started my podcast a while ago and like 82 in or something like that. And it's weird, like starting in the beginning and you're like, okay, just try this out, enjoy doing it. And then at this point it's become more of a, it's become a more of an official thing, you mm-hmm. know, type of thing you never know what it's going to, I like asking that to other podcasters, because I don't know where it all goes. I mean, I think some people, when they get into it, it's a business thing for them, or some people, it's just for networking. So it's just interesting to find out yeah. kind of the reasons where people are doing it. You know?
0: I, I love the people that I have gotten to meet through it, and gotten to speak to through it. Um, there's also a woman who lost her arm in a lawnmower accident when she was four and she went on to be part of the dixie softball hall of fame i would have never (laughs) met her had it not been for this wow that's really been an incredible thing
1: it sounds like you have a lot of people on who like they've had some really interesting lives like very like almost big personalities big events Mm -hmm. and obviously your connections to your work helped. you know it seems like it's helped you get some of these really interesting people i I gotta check it out some more. I know I'm gonna, cause some of these people sound amazing to me.
0: Yeah, and I, I just went live with an episode two of a woman who, she's a private pilot and the ground crew never checked mm-hmm. something on the plane. And she got up there and when she came, she, she basically the plane crashed. Okay. And she was flying but it was no fault of her own. And it's only because of her skills that she was actually able to walk away. But the the wing came off and the nose came off and oh, all kinds of wow. things. And-
1: Welcome again to the intermission of Dr. D's social network. We've been speaking with Marlena Semenza behind the lens. You know, we live in a world where everyone's taking pictures. Everyone is looking through the lens of their smartphone. But have you taken the time to look through the lens of your life, beyond the lens of the technology and the machines that we use? When you look deeply, when you look closely, what's behind your lens? Have you evaluated that today? Think about it. Spend some time in contemplation and reflection about what's going on behind the various lenses of your life. Enjoy the second half of the conversation with Marlena Samenza. Seems like you've been around a lot of intense things and you don't seem like a very and like super intense person you know sometimes super intense like adrenaline junkie people get around each other like you seem like very chill. Very relaxed, you know. I try and
0: be. I try and be. But usually I don't want to be in the middle of any of this. I wanna sit there and take pictures of it, but I don't I don't <laughs> want to be in the middle of it.
1: <laughs> What's the best picture you've ever taken?
0: Um, I forget what the first, what photographer said, the one I I'm gonna to take tomorrow.
1: Oh, it hasn't happened yet, huh? Yeah. Really?
0: I think I think what happens, at least for me, what happens is I will get very excited over work that I do. And then by about the third or fourth time I look at it, I'm over it and <laughs> on to the next thing. And then I'll go back six, eight months later and think, you know, hey, that wasn't too bad. <laughs>
1: that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like listening to us, you know, like you love a song and you keep playing that song over and over again, then you're like, oh, we're done with this song. You know, it right. seems like it'd be kind of like you're looking at this picture. This is a really good picture. And you're like, oh, we're done looking at this. Picture. Right, you know, right. That's the thing. I know oh, for me God. too,
0: what What happens is my brain keeps wanting to take things bigger. And as far as the image. go. What does that mean, go, like
1: bigger? What do you mean? Like- <laughs>
0: um, well, for example, I, there's, a couple of images I want to do with some parachutes mm-hmm. and so I wound up meeting a gentleman who has offered up a plane and a helicopter and a couple of other things and so now I'm trying to think okay well what other element and dimension can I add to this and it's always wanting to, to push the creative boundaries more and usually the thing that stops me is budget
1: <laughs> oh okay okay Thank so you. it's trying to figure out ways
0: around the budget
1: <laughs> I know it's was like bigger. I was like, is the picture bigger? Like what's the thing, you know, like yeah. interesting. So I didn't know that. So it's a certain amount of time or, and money related to it that might stop you from like, I guess I don't understand it. Cause like there's a certain amount of money related to how much time, is that what it is?
0: Well, no, it's just, for example, if this gentleman didn't offer to let me use the plane, then mm-hmm. I would have to figure out a way to rent a plane and so that involves you know (laughs) so there's things like that and when you're doing something as a a project a side project for you
1: yeah i see no that makes a lot of sense there that's it's just fascinating i've talked to i think a fair amount of photographers in my life um doing it professionally and i always think that there's something different about photographers i don't know what it is Maybe it's that you're so into taking pictures and those pictures have certain meanings and stuff. I just, I'm fascinated by how you view life through the lens because you're in the, you're looking through this lens constantly, I would imagine. And how does that affect how you see life? Is it different based off of that or is it the same? You know,
0: I, I don't know how to answer that because I've never looked at it any differently yeah. than I do. So I know that, there are oftentimes I'll, I think we become noticers more than a lot of people perhaps, Um, because I'll watch people interact or I'll watch something happen and I think, there's the shot, there's the shot, there's the shot. Ah. And I, so, um, and even there was a auditorium that I was in at one point and I I walked up to this couple and I, I said to them, I said, I just want the two of you to know I can't sit behind you because the way they were interacting, I kept watching them and not what I was there to watch. Oh, really?
1: Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Huh. And you wanted to like take a picture of them or you're mm-hmm. just... <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's kind of the thing, right? You're always maybe seeing situations where you'd like to take a picture of that because of how it looks, right? Right. That's the noticing part then, obviously. Yep. I mm-hmm. See, I wouldn't notice that. I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm here to do this thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Think, when I was is that in... a good is that a good thing though? Or is there a bad thing sometimes? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I have to say this, it doesn't turn off.
1: <laughs> so there, it's just like common. It's regularly a thing for you. It's not like you can push it to the side. Correct. Is that hard? I mean
0: It can be exhausting sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, that answered it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do other people comment about it?
0: I have not had them comment about it. Um, But I know when I was in college, we used to have to go to New York City once a semester. Yeah. And they used to load all the art majors up on the buses and drop us off in front of the Met, (laughs) let us loose for the day. But we would also take an hour or two or whatever during the course of the day and just sit there and people watch. Yeah. And I think that's where it started, perhaps for me, because if you just sit and watch people, yeah. it's amazing what you can see and notice.
1: It you know, was interesting, as uh, I was saying, I lived in Vegas, I actually lived there for a long time, like 15 years. And uh, the Las Vegas Strip is a great place to people watch, if, in case oh, yeah. anybody wants to know. You sit out right outside of Cabo Wabo, <laughs> you can watch people walk mm-hmm. right through and you do, you see, you start noticing this world. Yeah. And I don't know, it's strange, you know, just to to see that. But does anybody else in their life know that you do this regularly? And they're like, listen, they're like, you don't always have to get the picture. <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah, my husband. <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, turn it off now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I have to say this too. I think it's unfortunate that so many people nowadays spend most of their life looking down at a phone. Ah,
1: and yes. I think it's, yes.
0: it's so important to just put it down and look at what's going on around you and be immersed in the experience for the experience.
1: You know, it's, that's interesting coming from someone like yourself because I would imagine you're, you know, behind the lens mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Um, and I'm sure you have a smartphone and stuff like that, you know, and stuff. So how do you manage that in your life?
0: I think it's really important to, let's say you get off the bus at the Grand Canyon. The first thing so many people will do is start taking pictures of themselves at a place that they have not even experienced yet. So put the phone down and experience it for the experience because that's going to stay with you so much longer than that image that you're gonna lose in your phone you know, a couple hundred images from now. So at the end, if you want to take a a photo to remember the, the experience and and what it was like and to commemorate it, that image, I will guarantee you will be different and will mean more to you than the one that you just Mm. took when you got off the bus.
1: So interesting. Uh, You're making me think of things that like just happened to me, literally. And I was on vacation last week and my wife and I we went to the Bahamas and and we had been there before, but this is a different place than that. And I said, let's not take any pictures. Some things you should just keep for your own mind, mm-hmm. for yourself. We, I, I literally said that. I said, I just, I want this selfishly to have this moment. I said, plus everybody's taking pictures here. They're probably not going to even look at them. <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. you take all these pictures of the water and the ocean of this thing, and then you, your life happens because people are overwhelmed by all this stuff coming, bits of information coming into their life, and you, and then you forget you, you actually have all these pictures from your vacation. Right. You know, it's like,
0: but even too, if you think back to, let's say, things that happened to you as a kid or experiences yeah. you had as a kid, you've got the memory. Yeah. Do you ever sit and think, "Gosh, I wish I had a photo of that"?
1: No, I never think about it that way. I just, it's just what I remember. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's in my mind. Sometimes I think we take these pictures because we think we're going to forget about it or something, right. you know, that we were actually there or something. Right.
0: Which I go back to, if you immerse yourself in the experience, you won't forget. And if yeah. you really feel the need to to have images, then have somebody else take them while you enjoy being and being present.
1: Oh, that's such good advice. You hear this? This is from somebody who's a photographer, people. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, Well, I think in your life, all the pictures you've taken, I mean, have you even thought about how many pictures you've taken in your life?
0: No, I haven't. I have hard drives full of them. I have boxes (laughs) full of negatives. I have all kinds of things.
1: You're saying hard drives. Some of these people don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're like hard drive. What's that? And also (laughs) negatives. Like negatives? They were like, wait a minute. Okay. They're going to Google, Google. What's a negative? (laughs) Right. Like, never heard this talk, this conversation. Yeah. Oh, I think a lot of things you're saying, they just, it resonate because I think pictures are beautiful. I mean, I see like what's behind you, that picture you have up is mm-hmm. really beautiful. I mean, did you take that?
0: No, actually that's an artist. Uh, his name is Richard Chaffet. He's oh, okay. in um, Florida and I have a couple of his in my home.
1: That's wonderful. I think like, that really strikes me. Like I love water. I live right me next too. to the water. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I think it's like just being there, seeing stuff with your own eyes and letting it come into your mind. Like that's something that comes into your mind and your, your eyes. It's like, it's different than, than what you're getting from social media or what you're looking on, you know, on your phone and stuff. So I think it's it's good to be cognizant of how different those things are in your life. And I
0: think too, people way overshare and feel the need to (laughs) share everything and post everything.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I actually, a number of years ago, I, maybe it was six years ago, I got rid of like most of my social media. All I have is LinkedIn actually at this point. And I started getting this growing feeling. I was like, why are people putting their pictures of vacation all over the internet and all these things they're doing. And and what, what, what really got to me is like, I had friends who were sending me stuff, messages on Facebook. And they have my phone number. Like, why don't you just text me those pictures? You don't have to put them out there for everybody to see. Right. Like, why don't you just send them to me? You said you wanted me to see them. Why don't right. you just send them directly to me?
0: Right. And it's the right. attention
1: thing, right? It's the attention yeah. thing.
0: I think, too, that it's also important to realize that not everyone wants to be all over social media. <laughs> so, for example, if I take a photo of you, If you are my client, Mm -hmm. I will not post that anywhere if you don't want me to, because that image to me belongs to you before it belongs to me. And there are also people that, I mean, I have friends of mine who are well-known and I did family photos for them. Those images are never going to see the light of day on my end because those are theirs and they do not need to be shared with anyone.
1: Yeah. And it's you know it's that privacy element of it which mm-hmm. that word seems very weird these days you know the word privacy right. it feels like our society is becoming much more of an open society that there's nothing off limits it feels like these days you know
0: agreed and you know i often use the analogy that when it comes to social media especially if you are building a brand or have a business To me, you want, it's kind of like having a vacation home that you rent to people and you want them to come and feel at home and put their feet up and use the pool and all that kind of thing. But there's always an owner's closet and there is always something locked in it that they don't have access to. And the size of the closet, what goes in it is entirely up to you, but
1: there should always be one. Feels like we're struggling with this in our society because, you know, back in the, I remember when there wasn't like all this stuff. Um, and I would guess you remember too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff. I do. And I remember a life when you didn't have a voice, like mm-hmm. to a larger population. Right. And now it feels like everybody has a voice. And sometimes it's like, do you really need to have a voice on everything? <laughs> you know? Exactly. So I wonder, like, sometimes it's, we're struggling because we've been given this voice but we didn't do anything to really like earn it. We don't know right. how to use it at right. all. Right. So you just, and then people get in trouble because of the things they say and they don't think anybody's hearing it or watching it, right. reading it. So I think it's great advice that you're saying because it's a, it's a, it's a weird road we're on right now. Right. And I, it's, I think that pictures have been a huge part of that. Videos have been a huge aspect of that, Um, and I just wonder for yourself, where do you see that going in the future of photography with all of this technology?
0: Um, I'm sure that people being visible is still going to continue to grow and snowball, and they will just find new and improved ways to do that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like
0: you said, I I just hope too that, in the effort to always have a voice you it's not just to hear yourself talk
1: hmm. yeah i think that could be pretty difficult. People love themselves <laughs> talk about themselves and things of like that, but hopefully we're learning with that you know technology is increasing so much faster than it ever did before. I mean, I remember like you know beta v h s DVDs, things like go away quick, yeah, really quick. How, in terms of photography, is that tech? Is the technological advance been similar? Or well, like yeah, a,
0: because that's why know? that's why um, Kodak. I want to say it was basically out yeah. of business because they were under the misconception that they were in the film industry, <laughs> and so when film went away, so if but the companies that or maybe it was Polaroid. I don't know. It was one of those companies. But when you realize that the industry that you're really in and that it's images and, um, and memories and things like that, then it becomes, you become, it becomes easier to keep up with what the challenges are and, and what the technology brings.
1: So are you, are you having to adjust to anything currently that's maybe a little different for you technologically?
0: Um, I miss film, sometimes I miss, um, I miss paper images. uh, Because, because in the branding world, you don't really need them. There's no, there's no point to them. Because of the way the end use is now in the portrait world. Yes, I believe there should be paper images. But when you're dealing with anything commercial, then it becomes a different animal.
1: Yeah. I think we're we're all adjusting (laughs) on a lot of different ways. And I think in a large part, just how we live, you know? And I think like, you know, you have a podcast just like I do and telling stories I think is really important because it's too easy to make an assumption about somebody off of a post. Mm Mm-hmm off of a very short article or something like that. I'm sure like when you interview your guests, I mean, you're really getting deep, you're understanding. I mean, you know them to a certain extent, but like your audience, they know nothing about them. Right. So they can actually make a better, I don't say judgment, but they they can really understand the person more than the headline is saying about them. Right. We're such a headline driven society. True. Right? It's just this and headline, oh, somebody said this, and they take it out of context completely. Completely. Right. right. And Because pe- people don't read anything. They just look at the headline. They don't actually read the context of the story.
0: Right. You know? And that's the thing. You can, always, you can say anything you want, but you can never unsay it.
1: That is true. That's <laughs> definitely true. All right. So it's like, how do you even know if it's accurate if somebody is painting an accurate picture of somebody? Right. And you see but, even
0: images that are on the internet and people think, oh well, I saw this online and I saw this on Facebook or I saw this wherever and it has to be true. Does it?
1: Have you heard of this? Maybe this is of interest to you. Have you ever heard of that whole deep fakes thing they're working on right now? No. This is gonna be highly disturbing to you. Highly, Marlena. Very disturbing. So basically now there's tech people working on creating these videos that are lifelike, pretty much indistinguishable from, let's say, I see you on video, video right now, and somebody in that tech space can mimic what you're doing, what you're saying, how you look, and make a video of you, and nobody will be able to tell the difference of whether it was you or not. I can't even imagine a world that that's going on. And I saw it, and I was freaked out when I saw it. I was so freaked out about it. Now, maybe somebody like me who's not, you know, nobody really knows about, but, you know, somebody who is pretty well known, imagine taking that person's voice in, in their right. video and right. having them say things that they never said. Right. That's where things are headed. It's weird. You
0: know, it's actually really sad
1: to me. And I think, why is somebody creating this technology? Right. I don't understand that, <laughs> you right. know, like, it's just weird. I don't know, but... So it's kind of like that whole future of how things are going with print and T and picture. It's like, could it be good? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What I do miss is there used to be a time when you could buy, invest in a really good camera and have it your entire career. Now, because they're all computer, it's a constant catching up game.
1: Well, Marlena, this has been very interesting to me. I find (laughs) the work you do to be extremely um, curious to me. Curious. Like I, you know, just, you know, the access you've had to different people and how you um, capture people through picture, I think is... um, relatable to a lot of people because everybody's taking pictures. I saw I was just on vacation and literally everybody's taking pictures everywhere mm-hmm. they go, right? Yeah. Everybody's taking pictures of every single thing in their life now. Right. Right. So to meet somebody who's doing it professionally and getting your take on how that's going is very fascinating to me. So thank you for taking the time to uh speak speak with me today. Really oh absolutely Thank you. And, uh, sorry for the intrusion of my dog, George, but he does make, uh, he makes the episodes sometimes. <laughs> he likes, he, he doesn't like doing them without me. <laughs> he,
0: he probably needs to be your logo or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's just massive, great Dane. And he's just like, he's one of these dogs. He needs attention. He always wants attention. He's clawing at the door. I got this nice, quiet space that I always do these things. And he, he hates it. He just hates when I'm in here by myself. <laughs> so, eh, what can you do? Well, thank you for your time, Arlena, and uh, we will be in touch.
0: All right. Thank you so very much.
1: You got it. All right. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.
0: Want more ways to show your good side to the world?